it's at Percussion Podcast. You just heard intro music by our intro music competition winner, Jack Yeagerline. It's probably the second episode you've heard Jack's little introduction. Congrats again, Jack. Uh, well done. And huge thanks to all our supporters and patrons for making uh, that competition possible. We, uh, we couldn't give any prize money if it wasn't for you guys, so thanks a lot. And uh, yes, thank you, Alan Lang here, one of the show supporters. So here to hang. Thanks, Al. And let's see, it's episode 333. This should be the 22nd of September that you're listening, if everything goes right as planned. And this is Roundtable Discussion about podcast creation. And believe it or not, there are, in fact, other percussion podcasts out there. We're not the only one. And actually, these aren't the only ones either. So Google teaches me something new every day. But, uh, but anyway, with me, uh, old friend of the show, uh, longtime friend of the show, Pete Zambito. How's it going, Pete? I am doing well, Casey. How are you? Good, thanks. It is Pete's percussion podcast that he is in charge of. Also, Damon Grant is here of Discussions in Percussion. Hey, Damon. How you doing? First time, long time. Yeah, great to have you. I mean, Damon should probably be a, a guest in his own right. Uh, this is his first appearance on the show. And likewise, he should. He's awesome. I, I know. Discussions in Percussion is great. You guys should listen, listen, listen. And Josh Hartwell, also first time on the show. Hey, Josh, how are you? Doing well, man. Great to be here. Good. What's your podcast called? The Rudimental something? The Rudimental Podcast. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. I no, was just kidding. I know, I know. Yeah, so Rudimental Podcast. Uh, Josh is definitely kind of the youngest of us, and Damon, Pete, and I have been doing this for a while, so thought it'd be neat to kind of get, like, some different perspectives, someone who's like, you know, what, what are you, Josh, a year into it, two years into it, something like that? I would say uh, two years doing it pretty consistently. Um, I started it as a just a fun to do thing in my, I think, second to last year of undergrad. Um, those early episodes are horrible. Uh, they are just an undergrad talking with his buddies that he's going to school with or local. Uh, it, it got better as time went on. And um, so that, uh, that was back in 2017. So uh, when I went to grad school, took a little break from it, pandemic hit and decided to, to get it going again. So. Well, it's funny you say that because I've I've had people certainly say like, well, you know, why do you have these guests? Like, there's plenty of stuff of like Evelyn Glennie out there. We don't need more Evelyn Glennie. We need like you know college college people just like hanging out talking. So it's funny like there's a, a need and a taste for 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 everything. Uh, you know, first question I was kind of hoping maybe like uh, you know I think all our shows are a little different. I think there's a lot of similarity, but there's probably more more difference than similarity. And just kind of like generally speaking, how. How would you how would you describe or define your your show? And I don't know, maybe let's start with Damon. Um, well, my show I started it with uh, another percussionist, Marcos Torres, and we were listening to a bunch of drum and percussion podcasts that were already out there, and we felt that um, a lot of them were focusing on drum set players, and neither one of us <clears throat> were primarily drum set players. We both can play drum set but that's not our main instrument. So um, we started looking around to see if there was other percussion podcasts to encompass other aspects of percussion playing. That's when we found the at percussion podcast. And um, we also found that there was nothing really uh, taking account of world percussion, um, which I'm still battling with that term on like a different side of things, because if you go to Japan, they, you know, Taiko and Kodo drumming 
is not world it's just drumming for them you know so that term we need to come up with a different term um for drumming that encompasses uh different styles and genres from around the world but anyway i digress uh we noticed that that wasn't being taken care of so we kind of wanted to step in and interview those people mostly because a lot of them were getting older and passing away and the other aspect was a lot of that music is not written down all the way back into where you know it began so we wanted to document some history and we realized that the elders were being more open you know there we were noticing things being written down so it was like okay now we can kind of trace this path back on these different styles and genres that were formerly a mystery you know that was kind of how it started and it's kind of evolved from there it's one of the things i see in your show for sure that's like i wish i could do better on my show like you have like a lot of variety it's like these touring drum set artists these touring latin percussionists and then also you have the the most classical of the classical and also you have drum corps folks you have music professors like a huge huge variety there uh pete i always think of your show as like one of the most consistent shows like i know if i want to hear about someone's background like you might hear that on my show you're definitely going to hear it on your show and of course sometimes i think like oh, i don't know if i want to hear about another background but it's cool for just like archival purposes it's really really great to know okay pete had damon i want to know damon's background like that's the, the best place to find it do you, have, do you have anything to say about kind of how you how you view your show it is a lot in that context that you just explained. Um, I do very much a trace the career, see what the person's journey is, and kind of also take all of the sidebars. I, I really I love when I hear that a guest has some other thing that they were involved in, if they were big into sports or um, if they were a writer for a magazine or whatever it comes up. I love when those sidebars go and I take them. Um, but and I try not to force those things to come up. I really want that to be something that's just part of our conversation. Um, I've also so that's I definitely am very much in that trace the journey. And I think that actually everyone's journey is unique and it it's worth the time for them to tell it. I feel like um, I've also very much kind of and I know this is the same case for Damon as well, that I very much have not wanted to do more than a one on one. That's been my preferred format. I've done a couple of multiple person, but I've really liked and prefer the one-on-one -on -one format of my show. Yeah, cool. What do you what do you say, Josh? Uh, I, I would say I'm I'm more towards uh, Pete's format. I, I I based my entire thing off of organic conversation. I think I mentioned actually on your episode, Casey, with you a, a while back. Uh, I I take a lot of inspiration from the biggest podcast in the world, not just not just percussion podcast uh rogan and, and and you know people in that kind of echelon uh you know rogan takes an, an extremely um casual approach and sometimes the whole purpose of the guest that's on his show doesn't even come up until the very end and it, i find that kind of funny but uh, i don't i honestly a lot of the times don't go in with the timeline um my goal is to uh, try to get to know the person along with, if I don't know them already, try to get to know the person along with the guest or uh, along with the audience rather. So, um, you know, I, if, if we get academic, sure. If we get very casual, we talk sports, we talk, you know, whatever politics, uh, any subject really, I'm, I'm willing to go there. Uh, 
similar to what Pete was saying. And I, I, I love it. I love the unexpectedness. Um, I love organic conversation and I love that it's recorded and it takes a little bit for the conversation to, to get warmed up to that. I think sometimes, but you, when you feel that, that flow, uh, of the conversation and you learn how to guide that flow, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like I described that uh, recently to a friend about how some episodes can go like you feel like you don't really get into that flow till long into it. It makes me sometimes wonder like, gosh, should we do like a pre chat like a 30 minute pre chat yeah. so that when we push record, we're kind of at least a lot closer to that flow. I mean, I don't know, it seems seems like a lot. It seems like you might miss a lot of good stuff, but right. I definitely experienced exactly what you're saying. I, I often press record immediately and before zoom before zoom did the whole this meeting's being recorded thing it was kind of sneaky but i understand why they do it but uh and then you you know you ought, you're never gonna you know do anybody any harm by any of that but it uh i've caught a lot of great stuff just by doing that and just getting going from the beginning i don't typically do an intro sometimes i will and i'll just go straight into it from the intro music and and here we go kind of thing mm-hmm yeah, do you ever get that guest that is, you know, they want to talk ahead of time or the day before and you say, hey, I'd love to ask you about, you know, this project and they say, oh, yeah, well, that project and they get into it. You're like, no, 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 on the show. Don't, don't yeah. tell me now. I want to be on the show. Please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and sometimes it'll happen with uh, you meet somebody in person. Greg Dosher, he uh, he started Sonaris Percussion, the practice marimbas. I met I met him at TMEA. And we had a great conversation. We hit it off right off the bat. I was like, God, I wish I had a freaking mic right now. But, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's sometimes it ends up being like that. But it it honestly, most of the time it works out. So, yeah, I got you. Damon, I know, like, you know, speaking of consistency in shows, you always have an introduction. You always have, like, educational spotlight. I'm always curious, like, where what are some of your sources you draw from for those those news items? I mean, if you don't mind giving it away. I mean, if I tell you now, it's not going to be. I, <laughs> I need some new. I do need some news items. Um. So yeah, we, that was one of the things that Marcos and I talked about. Was like we made up a mission statement, and we always refer back to it to make sure that each episode is fulfilling that. And the two things were just document history and educate the next generation. So when we started coming up with segments, um. You know, we wanted to basically everything that we wanted the podcast to be when we were coming up is what we try to offer to other people. Like we want to just to help people so that they can navigate being a percussionist and getting a gig. So, yeah, we do like happy birthday, RIP, if necessary, Um, gig alerts. That could be um, gigs you should see or gigs that you can get um, like auditions and stuff like that. Um, educational spotlights that's for learning occasionally we'll do product reviews or social sound bites which is you know somebody did this thing and you should definitely go check it out whether like somebody released a music video or an instructional video or something like that and then uh, we always end with music news and i think a lot of the stuff that i find is just posted by like the percussive art society you know a lot of that comes up um I have a lot of friends that are side people, so I'll see them like post tours and festivals. That's some gig alerts thing. And then um, digital music news is a great resource where they just post news updates every day. And some of the news isn't, you know, percussion related and I'll skip over that. But some is like, oh, well, you should basically as a percussionist 
know about this and then just you know me on the internet like i'll see stuff on twitter or instagram and i'll be like oh wow this is uh interesting to me i bet it is probably in interesting as well to other people that play percussion so that's kind of where i find my stuff yeah yeah of course well, you forgot the iconic recording. That's my oh, favorite yeah, part right. of your intro. Oh, yeah. I love your iconic recording. I actually yeah. started pawning that off to uh, the guest. So I was, Marcos and I would dig up iconic recordings that just basically from our past, like, oh, yeah, this was influential as we were growing up. And then we started turning it over to the guest. Like, what is an iconic recording that means a lot to you? And they usually get caught up with like, oh, my God, I have to think of the, the best recording. It's like, no, just something that, you know, usually when I say it means a lot to them, then they're just like, oh, well, this is one that like when I was growing up, it's usually a lot easier. It takes a little pressure off. We used to use re recordings a lot and we got into enough just sticky copyright stuff that was out of the guest control because the guest would say, oh, yeah, no, 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 you can use it. It's like, yeah, but it's not necessarily up to you if we can use it. You know, it's like it's the publisher, it's the record company. It's like we've, you know, you, of course, um, we're not trying to monetize you on YouTube, but I've had that situation where it's, it's whatever the level of protection they take it to is like, no, you can't post this at all. You can't use this. You like literally have to insert like a block of silence or just edit out entirely. Have you, I think Damon discussions is, is not on YouTube. That's you exactly why. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. So like we discussed that, you know, to begin with, um, we are strictly audio. Um, we tried to discuss whether we we're going to include cameras and like do what we're doing right now, videotaping this stuff. And neither one of us had enough time to edit any video. Mm -hmm. Um, and this, and we started it, this is, we're finishing up year number six. So this is before, you know, zoom was a thing. Um, it mm -hmm. was just like, we don't even want to mess with video, just audio completely. And most of our audience, we asked them like, where are you listening? And most of the people were either commuting in like a train or on a car or like working out, you know? So it's like, all right, well, you're not going to watch this anyway. So then we looked at like the copyright issue of, can we post this audio? You know, there are little audio snippets. We don't post like the whole song of anything. And um, I referred to a guy, uh, Andrew Themelis, who does a lot of the podcast work for all things comedy network. Um, I know one of the ones he produces is the Bill Burr podcast. And I texted him and I was like, you know, what do you guys do? And he's like, man, it's like the wild, wild west. <laughs> he's like, just be careful. Then I was like, all right, well, I guess that's, that's the only advice I'm going to get. So we just kind of were like, all right, well, we know YouTube will shut stuff down. But as far as I know, the podcast apps, don't police that yet i know now that i said that they probably will i got an email from um blake tyson once uh, also composer percussionist educator i'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners all know um and he said hey casey you may want to you may be interested in you know track number seven on this cd and it was a piece of mine that i've only ever recorded and posted on youtube and i guess what this guy did is uh he or maybe she i don't know um, just was ripping audio from YouTube and publishing CDs through CD Baby. So, and they were, they were titled like Authentic Guatemalan Marimba was my title. And it was like, definitely not that, you know, it was a contemporary marimba solo, but there's like a good, I don't know, one minute of it or something. And so I, my video, which predated the release of the CD by many years, got flagged 
for copyright. And anyway, it was really, really interesting. And Blake did most of the legwork because one of his tracks was on there as well. And anyway, with like some hassle, we got through to the YouTube copyright people and the CD Baby copyright people. And they were like super cool about it. And they I think they do do a good job trying to trying to do what they can. You know, it's just the, the problem is when it's just in the system and nobody can get eyes and ears on it to like parse out what the problem is and who's complaining and who it really owns. But once I showed them like, Hey, here's the recording. Here's my recording on YouTube predating. It was like, okay, it's a no brainer. And it turns out this person has been doing that with, with many, many CDs. Um, yeah. It, it, over time. I was going to ask, how do you guys, how did you guys, uh, Josh and Pete, like how did you decide video or no video? Because I know I, I did the same thing with my co-hosts. Like we kind of get together and we're still split on it. You know, some of us think, oh yeah, video. Some of us think no video. I've gone back and forth about it. You know, I've like really enjoyed video sometimes and then, <laughs> I don't know, back and forth. But uh, anyway, yeah, how, how did you guys kind of come to that decision? That is the biggest qualm I deal with still to this day. So I have all the power in the world to do video if I wanted to. And every time I say I'm going to, it's like, I have to edit it. And then, so it just becomes this, is this, this whole thing, uh, it's an inner, inner battle. And so I, I want to do it more often. I haven't really come to a final decision, although I would say majority of my episodes are just audio only. Um, and I, I'd rather save the video work for my percussion group or, or other projects along those lines. So sure. I'm probably leaning towards audio only, but, and it's just solely based on time at this point. Yeah. yeah similar time. And I kind of have always thought of mine more on the audio vein anyway, um, just as a, just as it is. And I've, the only thing I've thought about is sometimes I'll see, I've seen other podcasts will post, maybe like a minute or something of the conversation just kind of as a teaser. And I've thought about doing that as part of, as, as an, as a side thing, but I, I don't have the time. Yeah. I'd like to I think, think to I get, have the time. <laughs> I mean, to, so do I. And to think uh, about growing your, your podcast and hearing all that, what, what kind of works in an algorithm uh, I've heard, you know, reels do well on Instagram or, you know, making some kind of promotional content through that foreign episode. I wouldn't mind doing, uh, you know, short little clips or, you know, you often see with bigger podcasts, comedy podcasts will do kind of like this template they have with some clips. Um, and so I, I think for that purpose, and, you know, solely that purpose alone, I would probably do that. And just to try to grow, grow the show purely you know speaking of growth one of the questions i thought we'd probably get to when we ask people like or, or answering when people ask how do you start one of these things is simply like you know what's your relationship with social media and do you have any advice as far as social media because yeah of course like i've seen that too like like you even see youtube shorts are really taking off instagram anything short is like yeah like like does really well and it, it's um you know just thinking about that stuff has really made me reflect on like what's important to me about this show and like why I started it to begin with. 
And it, it does kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of think we have all the viewership, listenership that we're probably going to get in our, in our niche right. percussion community, unless we really change things drastically and we, we really change it to, to something else. Like it can't just be niche contemporary percussion music if it's, if it's really going to grow. So, yeah, I guess question is like, yeah, social media, you know, what do you, what do you advise a, a young person who uh, just started their own podcast and uh what, what should they do um I'll, I'll go first um Please. i know that before we started ours we definitely looked at it as if you were going to release a blockbuster movie you have to do some kind of ad promo so we did like we created the social media pages and then we started doing like like a trailer you know like hey coming soon uh, we're going to be putting this out you know we did that months ahead of time we had a release date we knew it was going to be the first week of January. I think we started our first promotional stuff like in the August before, and we did it all the way through. So like that was the first thing, just securing the handles, making sure they're all the same. Um, so it, the only other one that we had to change was Twitter because it just didn't have enough characters, but every handle's the same and then hit them with, with the promo. And um, I had done a couple of albums before so I was already like my mindset was already in the marketing side of things. And I treated it the same way that you would market anything. Um, there's like two main things. Um, one of them is like having a topic. Actually, look at that, I got my cheat sheet right here. So you have a topic, you have your target audience or your demographic, and then what is the problem that is being solved? And like, that was the first thing to like, okay, what is this podcast going to be about? It's going to have those three things and then put it on a schedule. So, you know, if you tell people what they're gonna get in advance, whether it's gonna be like, oh, it's gonna be an eight episode season, or it's gonna come out every Tuesday or whatever, you have to stick with it because like if your favorite show was gonna come out uh, at 8 p.m. Thursday on NBC, and then like the next day it comes out, it's on at 7.30, and the next time it comes out, it's at 9.15, and the next time it just doesn't come out, like you're gonna lose your audience. So. That was the first thing it was like setting up that we have to treat this like a, a show promote it like it's a blockbuster movie and then when you get to social media that's kind of like we use that as a traffic cop right our home base our website where the show notes are that's like the house the front yard like we control all the content in there where social media is kind of like rented space um so we use that as a traffic cop like hey we're doing this thing go check it out over here and we just kind of are directing the traffic there. And, you know, I've seen people use things like, I believe InShot is one of the real creation things. We can have like a little template or whatever. There's a couple of them out there. I've seen people using that, but that just takes more time. So like for, I know myself and Pete and doing this ourselves, like, it's like, all right, well, how much time am I gonna put in? So I'm like, I'm putting up a picture, caption, and then I'm moving on because I probably have to like learn some music or something. I didn't even really spend that much time on the social media part in the beginning. I was more interested in just getting the thing going. Um, and then I was going to try to figure it out. So I don't think it took a little while before I even had kind of a, a Facebook page just for the show. Um, I think I've, some of it may have just been, let me see how this goes for a little bit, but I kind of wanted to get my bearings on this activity since it was, it's completely new to all of us, I, I have to imagine. So 
to me, I was really focused on that. And then I've kind of tried to figure out a plan on the social media, but I, I kind of echo exactly what Damon's saying about the consistency, mm -hmm. I think. And, and in particular, in terms of my own and everyone's own plan for getting out an episode every week or however, whatever's your consistent model. Um, I've had, I had to work backwards and realize that if I put out an episode every Thursday, which I do, then Monday is basically that's editing day. And then Tuesday is like website day. And Wednesday is intro, outro, final editing, wrap it up. Thursday it, it lands. And it, like I have, if I do that, then I'm actually going to, it's, I'm not going to stress myself out yeah. enormously trying to get an episode out because I, I've divided the time nicely. Now, none of this has anything to do with scheduling, which you did not ask about, but that's obviously it's coming. a it's different coming. problem that also it's, happens. All right. It's coming. It's coming. We should do, we should do that next because we're kind of in the like advice for starting uh, uh, vein of things. Have you, have you noticed like, is social media like less useful? Like I've just noticed in every way, like some people are even saying like, oh yeah, don't even bother like Facebook. <laughs> like, don't even, as, I mean, as I someone it, who's genuinely Sorry, Casey. Is someone who's gen, gen, genuinely bad at social media anyway? Uh, I've I've tried to get it going more and more, and I was getting it going before uh, I became a full time percussion director in Texas. So when Margie Ben took over my life, but I uh, I also have a a desire to get it going. At a, I think the scheduling thing, with the, like what Damon said, is like a science. And I wish, and I'm going to use some of that <laughs> because it just needs to, it, I don't know if it's not useful, but um, I don't know if it's not, not useful. I think it's essential and I think it has its purposes now, but I do feel it's not quite 100% um, needed to take, to, to grow. Maybe, I don't know. I, I definitely know it's a useful vehicle though, I think. I found there's two things. So if I have a guest on that is super, super popular, um, that helps get mm -hmm. the word out. Um, also, if this person has not done a bunch of interviews previous to that, that helps. Oh, yeah. And then also how savvy they are with social media on their own, alerting their, their following. So I'm, I've had people that aren't as quote unquote famous, but are really good about getting the word out and their social media promotion. So it just doubles whatever I did. And I've had their episodes have like huge listenership. And then I've had other people where it's like, okay, they don't do a ton of interviews or they're not even on social media themselves. And they're a coveted um, interview that people want to hear. So those interviews have done really well. Um, and then the other thing I found is um i i just recently checked because you had asked about like our behind the scenes kind of stuff my podcast is downloaded in i think just over 80 countries but that's because i actively went out and found guests in other countries mm -hmm. so as soon as i interviewed um you know people in like asian philharmonic whether it's south korea or uh singapore or whatever all of a sudden there's a whole new listenership of people that were tuning in. And I found that my biggest hurdle is that my podcast is offered in English mm -hmm. and Marcos and I tried to find um, this program where you could download the podcast in your native language 
and um, we thought we found something. We're like, oh, that's going to be huge, especially when we get to the Latin American percussionists. Um, but all it did was it put a virus onto my computer. <laughs> oh. I'm still on the search for something that will let people listen to the podcast in their native language. Yeah. I so, remember, oh my gosh, Damon, I remember, weren't you hyping that service for a, a while? And I'm then. I'm so excited. Yeah, I remember mm. that when that was going on. So disappointed. <laughs> mm. Seems like you would have to, because, like, you know, Zoom will give you a transcript in English. And then it's like, okay, it seems like there's probably something out there that would take a transcript, translate it, and then revoice it, you know. In a, in a, I was just, yeah, I'm like, I was looking at like the UN and I was like, well, they still use translators. It's like, I, there's got to be something, mm -hmm. but whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting too. I, an example of that with mine would be Alex Flood. He was a, he's a Australian, just killer drum set player and makes really great music, but he also plays a lot of African, uh, African drums. And we were talking and an episode was like three hours long. And I started, I was like, man, I have a lot of listens on this episode. I didn't really push it out except he shared it once. And I look and he has 12,000 followers and I'm like, okay, this is great. I'd, I really didn't have to do a ton of work on that one admittedly, but as far as promoting it, but then I looked at, you know, I had both of my teachers on at one point and neither of them are social media savvy. Neither of, neither of them do anything and they had just as many plays. And it was interesting, like Dean Gronemeyer, my a professor at UNLV, he doesn't even have, he doesn't even barely knows how to work his phone. Like it's, it's well known that he doesn't know. And it had just as many plays. And uh, that's the part to me that's confusing. But um, back to the consistency thing, I think the biggest piece of advice I got was some clip with Gary V. And he's like, it doesn't matter if it's bad, just put something out put something out there consistently by in a weekly basis or whatever, whatever kind of pace that you need to go at or, or can go at. Um, and I, that probably has something to do with that. And, uh, and by default, I think you'll, you'll get that outreach. Okay. I would also say on the crossover platforms, um, you may be most active on one of the platforms, but that's not where your audience lives. So, I urge people to definitely, if they're going to use social media, to use as much of it as possible. So when I put the post out, I put it out on Facebook and then also on Twitter and then on Instagram and then I do the show notes and that's on the website. And then some people don't listen on podcast apps. So I opted to also put it up on SoundCloud and um, I think Spotify and like, like you have to find out where your audience is and then you have to like, bring it to them or alert them where it is because you know i know that most of my uh audience personally on my personal stuff is on instagram but there's still a whole bunch of people that follow me on facebook that aren't following me on instagram so i make sure that you know i'm also posting on these other platforms because it's going to reach these other people that like i may not be all there all the time but they are you know and mm -hmm. I just spoke at a music conference and one of the people who came up was from Meta and she was oh. talking about behind the scenes for Facebook and Instagram. And that was one of the things that she pointed out. She was like, hey, you know, you may think that Facebook is dead or your audience isn't on Instagram, but believe it or not, you know, 
she was showing the numbers and it's like they're just equal just in different ways you know could be age could be yeah target demographic music whatever so yeah age is what i've what i keep coming back to and hearing is, is the difference do you ever wonder like I, like i know and with my co-hosts some of them think well we should really like promote more and we should really do more activity like make shorts of episodes and and of course i keep coming back to like well why why was this important to me it wasn't really ever to like get an audience but i mean it is important to share however but um yeah like my my feeling is more like oh should we shouldn't we take all that time like researching the guests more or like researching topics more or delving further into like the music history of the day segment or something. And um, yeah, I guess I, I guess I wrestle with it. You know, it's like, gosh, how, how much of that do you do before you wonder like, oh, should I just focus on my, on my show? And then if the show is better, it will have better legs, you know, in, in general, but I don't know. It seems, it seems like there's no, no certain way to know, you know? Well, I mean, the disadvantage that we, have that other giant uh, media platforms have is they have teams you know they have a team that can focus on the research they have a team that's focusing on the interview they have a team that's then focusing on the promotion like we're doing all of this ourselves and also have other jobs in the music field so we can't you can't compete with like you know like a, like a justin bieber you know <laughs> he's got a team of people around him so he can concentrate on justin bieber the artist because he's got a marketing team and he's got a legal team and he's got whatever you know so it's like you just have to do what you are able to do and trust that the quality of your product will find your audience if you're consistent about it yeah well said yeah al i think you had a question yeah the i was gonna so and I, I really agree with you guys with the the social media stuff. There was a um, they were talking about somebody I forget exactly who it was, but they were talking about how all the platforms are becoming TikTok basically because <laughs> everything is reels like, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and everything like that. So I was work working on getting back into the YouTube stuff, and that was crossing my mind. It was going to prove to be difficult for sure, but. Um, yeah, so I guess my my question was just going to try to continue on the, I guess, getting started. So what did you guys, and I know Josh, you kind of mentioned this with the with what Gary Vee was talking about. I've seen that same clip where he's like, oh, yeah, just you have a camera, pull out your phone and use it. The, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys, what did you guys start with your, your podcast with and uh, what would you recommend to everybody else? I mean, uh, I, I can go first real quick. I, I, I will admit I was very uh, fortunate to have help. Um, uh, a buddy of mine, when I lived in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, Wesley, he, he was, he wanted to get into that kind of production side of things with, with quote unquote, new media, uh, podcasting or whatever. Um, and I, he showed me the ropes of an interface and miking and how important, uh, everything is to have a good quality sound. Um, but at, on the other side of the coin, I know people who just put on their voice memo on their iPhone in the middle of the room and they have a podcast, you know? So um, I kind of started out with wanting a higher quality from the get-go just because I knew that that was possible. But um, I know it sounds cliche, but if you just use what you have and, and they sell podcast bundles now, 
for on Sweetwater for like really good prices and it's everything you would ever need. So uh, that's definitely a start. I started with, uh, with Marcos and I just sat in a room and just bantered about what we were going to do. Like that was how we started. It was like, what is this thing going to be? You know, um, so we kind of just basically uh, workshop the idea. <laughs> and that was the first episode. And, um, you know, as far as the the microphone and stuff, we were started by going to the people. So as we would be on the road playing aside people, we would say, oh, I'm in this town. Who do I know in this town? And then we'd interview that person. So we were using an H6 uh, handheld Zoom recorder and occasionally the iPhone voice memo. But then um, shout out to the, uh, the DIY musician podcast. They were the ones that hit me to the program I use, which is called Zencaster. Um, it's similar to Zoom, allows you to record everybody, but it, it records all the vocals on separate stems so that if you need to go and edit one person's thing, you don't have to edit the whole episode. And then um, uh, I put it out through Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, which is a podcast hosting distribution distribution site and you can actually select where you want it to be distributed to um those are the things that helped me it drove me crazy sometimes um you record and everything sounds fine like right now i feel like everyone's really equal and i drop it into my editor and it's like wow josh is like way quiet why is he so quiet and for a while there i would run a compressor and a limiter over everything and it 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 worked it helped it was but you'd only do it if it was like train wreck disaster quiet or i would literally go through and cut boost the volume cuss like okay every time josh talks i'm going to boost the volume and yeah i mean it was just like really 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 tedious and and i would love to switch to something like that the, the thing i feel like we've used over the years go to meetings skype um google hangouts and and now zoom but i think the only reason zoom it's just because everyone will use it. Like I had people who like refuse to use Google Hangouts. Like one one guest was like, "No, Google. I don't. I don't want Google to have my information. Google will like Google's listening. The government is gonna listen." It's like Jesus. Okay, so like we had to use Skype. So yeah, it's like gosh, at least Zoom. Everyone will. Everyone will. You know, say yes to it. I like the 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 uh, ZenCaster because they don't have to. I mean, for what I do, like because it, it does record on separate stems. Yeah. Um, you can opt to record video or not, and um, the, the guest doesn't have to install anything. They can click on a link and yeah. you're the well, host, you have the session. Um, however, Great. the thing I ran into is some of my older guests may not be as computer savvy or even have a computer. So there's been times where people have had to like actually call in on a phone. I've had to run it through a preamp and it's not as good quality or, um, uh, I have this thing called Snagit, which allows you to record your screen. So they've mm -hmm. called me on like FaceTime and I've recorded the conversation from my laptop. Again, lesser quality, but if it's like that or not having an interview, I just kind of bite the bullet and sacrifice a little. Yes, yeah, too. 
Yeah, I think it is kind of mysterious to some young people. I mean, there's so much tech out there, you know, you say, what do I need to get a podcast started? It's like, well, you need a mic and they can look up microphones and it's like, oh my gosh, there's, there's so many things. And it's like, well, do I need an interface? Like, well, not, not really. I mean, I'm not using an interface right now. It's like, of course, the, the Yeti is interfacing itself. Like it's taking the sound over. So it's like, yeah, I'm using an interface, but yeah, don't buy an interface. If you're just going to do that, like, I don't know. Do you have any, anybody have any like, Okay, bare minimum, like here's what you need. Here you need a you know place to record it and here's where and you know you need a place to publish it and 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 here's where. A USB mic is great. Yeah. Know, I think mm -hmm. everybody's been using one of those. Um and then I like I said, I prefer to have the stems and then I throw them into logic, and that's where I do my editing. Mm -hmm. And stems, just so everyone knows that like that is each individual um uh, like, like your voice is one stem, my voice would be another stem, Josh's would be another, and then you can balance and edit them as you need to. Right. Yeah, cool. And I, I would say that you, that you would also need, um, uh, well, actually, maybe not. I mean, I made my intro track like five or six years ago, and it's still the same. So maybe, maybe. I don't know, maybe just a little, little something. Uh, my, as far as like hosting goes on, uh, where I put mine, I put mine on anchor and it's come a long way. It got bought out by Spotify. So, uh, and it's super, you can actually record in the browser. Uh, you can record an episode in the browser. If you don't have a DAW, I personally use logic as well. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really great and user-friendly, especially for the, for the non audio tech savvy. I've been using, um, I, I've gone to Zoom since the pandemic, basically. I was on Skype for a long time. Skype was moody, I think mm -hmm. is the nicest way to put what Skype was. And Zoom has been much more consistent. And, and the audio quality, I think, has improved too. And there's what now when I record, I go into the audio settings on Zoom and I can, I frequently have to boost my guest a little bit to match. And then, it's been more often that when I transfer it to GarageBand, which is what I use for my audio workstation, that the the, the quality is, is closer to even. Mm -hmm. um, that's been more consistent, but there's a lot of times, Casey, I've been in that case a lot where I put it in the, uh, I put it into the audio workstation. I'm like, where are they? I heard them just fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Damon's got the answer for that one. I know. No, I'm listening, Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's no, only because, sense. um, like I do a lot of home recording for my studio. So I'm like, I'm in logic all the time, almost every day. So for me, it's just easy to be like, oh, I'm going to throw these stems in and do I need to do any compression or limiting or edit? You know, I'm a lot faster. So if you're just starting out, you know, like you said, um, Pete, you use GarageBand. That's just like the starter version of logic. So I think you can upload, is it two to three tracks or whatever? But like you get to a certain number of tracks and, and GarageBand's like no more, right? I, I use four and I, I don't, I've never had a problem. I think that might be And five sometimes. Yeah. I know yeah. there's a limit, which is okay. why like some people are like, I got to get out of this program. Um, so yeah, like if you're just starting out, get a USB mic. Um, you can host from Libsyn because they'll send it to everywhere. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, you know, GarageBand is a, basic way to edit your episode yes get an intro um you know even if it's just something simple like if you listen to like 
the New York Times, uh, the Daily Podcast. It's like a shaker and a marimba or something like that. You know, it, you you don't have to be crazy about it. I, who, Aaron Sterling had a podcast that drummer, and he's got like uh, an intro. He's got segment intros, like little clips. Like he's like, let's talk about gear, and then he plays a little like intro clip of me. Like that is well produced. And I am jealous of that, but you know, you don't have to go that far. One of the, one of the best session drummers in the world, but yeah. (laughs) Right. But he's another one who's like in, you know, a a DAW all the time. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you throw in, you have all of the other video audio clips, the, uh, as well as Marcos's, uh, music news, which is amazing. (laughs) I just, I love that every time it shows up. (laughs) He's he's always still there. Still, yeah. I, yeah. I told him I well, the last time he was going to be on. I was like, all right, you better you sing a good one because this is going to be the one we're going to use for eternity. <laughs> Do you guys have a preferred method of organization? Like you're booking a guest, you know. I mean, you guys saw we had a bunch of exchanges just to try to try to get all of us here at the same time. I almost made a doodle poll. I was like, no, it, it doesn't have to come to that. That's like last emergency resort doodle poll. All right. Favorite. You ready? Check yeah. this out. Yeah. Oh, it's paper. I think paper is coming. See, you got to have video. I have a camera. Hey. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm looking in the camera. I have a calendar. Like a hey, paper I have calendar. a. I have. I have real notes over here. See, see. So you got to do video. That would be lost on your show. <laughs> you couldn't have just said I have a paper calendar. There's no I have way. a paper calendar. You can see the whole month, and that's the important part because you get the weekly one. You turn the page, and you're like, uh oh. If you can see the whole month, you can plan better. Um, but, you know, other people use Google Cal, iCal. Um, as far as scheduling, I try to schedule as far out as possible. But if I get busy, it could be like the week of, you know, I try to have a few in the can, but life doesn't always let that happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. Um, I know for I us. Use... Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, Josh. Go ahead. No, please. Well, I, I was just saying real quick, mine, mine kind of have merged together um, with a, a software called Calendly. Um, it allows you to, uh, allows the guests to click on a link. And if it's a Zoom one, um, they can schedule it themselves. And then that will send a notification to me. And then it will save as an iCal uh, event. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in person, like if I'm doing, if I'm interviewing someone in Houston, um, I can send it to them. They'll schedule it themselves on on that program, and uh, it it'll automatically add to my to my iCal. So they can see your calendar, of course. So they're scheduling right. in in slots that you've said. Here's here's when I could do it. Yeah, here's my available times. Yeah, here's when I got all this stuff going on. Pick wherever you want. Oh, very cool. Oh, that that would that would be mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great to cut down on how many back and forths you have to do. And I mean, I guess that's always the right. case. It's like it happens at, at work all the time. Like, oh, well, we need to get together yeah. and have a faculty meeting. When are we going to do it? Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Good luck. <laughs> if there's more than two of you, it's never going to happen. You know. I think my right. financial planner uses that because every time he sends me a thing for a meeting, it's like, here's the available times, pick one. Mm-hmm. And then like a yeah. link. Yeah. I think I was it's, checking. It's, it's great. The, was it Damon? Were you the one that used the Squarespace site? Oh, for the website hosting? Yeah. yeah. I use Squarespace because it's easy. If you don't understand coding, I know there's like 
Wix and uh, WordPress is another one. WordPress is good if you like to tinker. If you like getting in there with the code and everything, do WordPress. If you don't want to be bothered, Wix or Squarespace are probably for you. Um, and Squarespace is great because they have customer service. You don't have to, I don't know code. I mean, I've learned it because I had a WordPress site first, but um, Squarespace is way easier for me. Yeah, the, the Squarespace has, and I'm going to butcher this one. I think it's a attendee or something like that. It's like a, a competitor to the Calendly. Okay. You okay. can like upgrade your Squarespace site through that one. Cool. It is really wonderful nowadays. I mean, I remember I didn't have to get deep into coding, but I, I remember like my first like personal website, I mean, it was just a mess. It's like the little, the little application they used and the shopping cart. I mean, it was just so troublesome and so buggy and so difficult. I mean, this would have been back in 2008 or something. And I mean, now, yeah, there's so many viable options. And, you know, whenever I sit down with students and we start to talk about websites, I mean, it's just like you, you can't kind of can't fail um, if you, uh, yeah, because they're, they're all, I mean, everyone is, needs a website now. So, of course, there's so many competitors for, yeah, what is, um, what is, do you, do you use Squarespace, Casey? Uh, for myself, well, well, I use the host is called Bluehost, and huh. they they are who I started with back in two thousand and eight, and it came with its own like web page creator, and that that creator was just lousy back then. Huh. I'm sure it's much better now, but I use a program called What You See Is What You Get, and it's a it's a it's just a fifty dollar web designer program independent from the host. And so you do whatever you want in there, and then you just have to put in all your, you know, right information so it uploads correctly into the right spot. And your store, your store is, is that just PayPal or? Uh, same, it's through what you see is what you get. And there's oh, okay, a, okay. a little like um, shopping cart, like insert. And it's a really limited shopping cart, but it, it does everything I need it to do. And it has a little, a way to like, hey, do you want to configure this via PayPal? Or do you want to do it another way? Or do you want to run credit cards? If you want to run credit cards, you need to do this other thing and da, da, da. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. Cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, did you have a, a MySpace page? Oh, probably a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you're probably like an infant, but I know Pete, you probably had one. Um, no, I have one. I have one. Yeah. You had one? I'm 27. Yeah, I have one. I have one. <laughs> I have one in the glory days, dude. Because I was going to say that was like your first step into like learning how to code was like, how do you build a MySpace page? <laughs> you you guys are my top friends right now. That's great. <laughs> I got I got with arms wide open by Creed is my intro my, music uh, <laughs> intro music on my page. You're welcome. Oh, and somehow oh. it doesn't get flagged because nobody's listening to it. Yeah, yeah. that was back when yeah. it was questionable copyright law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when all that was like super duper muddy. Do you have, do you have any other things you want to tell like young people that are that maybe ask how to get started? Yeah, uh, I was what because we've talked a lot about the you know, the hardware and it's kind of the software and where to post and everything. I also think it's, it's important to, to have an idea of what you want to do with a podcast. What, like, do you have a targeted audience? How long do you want it to be? Do you want to have a lot of segments? Um, how often do you want to publish? Do you want to do seasons versus every week? You know, like some of these things are, are, 
kind of, I know Damon kind of talked a lot about it in terms of the way that he and he and Marcos set up theirs. And I believe if I remember, if, if I think you said this, Damon, that there was a lot of, when you were creating that opening segments that that developed out of the banter, right? That wasn't like a, a plan. You, you just, it, it formed into <laughs> that side, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we, it kind of what's in, what would be an important thing that you would want to podcast about. And, and I think we've all kind of made this point over and over. Do you want to spend the time to do this on a regular basis? Because I think we can, you could do it a couple times, but then you may realize that it's actually takes up a lot more time than it's always takes longer to put these things up than, than I ever expected to. Mm-hmm. I'm, unless I'm alone on that, but I, that's my experience. No, it, always. And anything can happen in an episode to where it, my advice would be to have like a notepad or like a notes app open on your, on your MacBook to write down time markers in case something happens or important maybe topics that come up that you can mark later for um, maybe making some content out of it. So uh, just having, having those little fail safes too, if you do in person, like I, I always put my iPhone in the room somewhere just, just in case. Um, And just having those kind of uh, Oh crap moments be saved. So I feel like a dinosaur. Everything you just said, I do like on a, on a legal pad. <laughs> the <paste>. <laughs> <laughs> like I have the notes app open. I'm like, uh, I got a pen. <laughs> yeah, well, you can add me on MySpace later, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look for you on Friendster. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, the thing, Pete, I said earlier that I'll just reiterate. Um, I was listening to this music business podcast. No, sorry. A small business podcast. And I applied it to music business. And the thing that they were saying was they had um, a Venn diagram where the circles converge and it was, you have to have a topic, you have your target audience or your demographic, and then you have the problem that is being solved. So for us, that was the topic was drums and percussion. Our main audience was college and high school percussionists. And then the problem that we're solving was we're going to document the history and help educate them to make them better. And it was like, where did, where does that meet? And um, I'll, what I'll do is uh, I'll do a lot of homework on them ahead of time. And uh, I try to find things like Pete was saying that are off topic, or even I think uh, Josh was saying the same thing too, like things that you might not know. So especially if I know somebody that knows them, I'll be like, Oh, give me some dirt you know, let me know mm. so I can bring it up. And, uh, and then that'll take the conversation in another direction. And, you know, just um, how can I uh, keep them interested? Because as soon as I, my mind starts wandering while I'm interviewing them, I know the listener's already gone. Um, I definitely am a big fan yeah. of uh, Howard Stern, great interviewer, probably one of the best ever. Uh, Oprah, huge fan of hers. Um, and then Jesus and Mero, I know rest in peace, they just recently broke up, but uh, <laughs> them, they are a great interviewer too, because they'll come at it, you know, from a completely different angle. I've got, I've actually stolen some questions from them. Yeah, yeah you, very, please. Sorry, go ahead, Casey. No, no, I was going to move on. So go, yeah, please stay on this. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Ah, shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that can be cut in post, right? That, that's that, the part that edits. Oh, or is that just on my That part? happens all the time, though, too. I'll, like, zone out. Especially, like, the mind-wandering thing. 
I'll zone out and be like, uh oh, what were we talking about? Like, okay, I remembered it. I'm sorry, great. now it came. Oh, I, I saved I just it. Need yeah. to step out. Thank you, Josh, for for the fill in. That was perfect. Yeah. No, but Damon, what I what I was thinking of is when you will have you're almost like James Lipton in Inside the Actor Studio, where you'll be like, in your fifth grade play, you played Julius Caesar. Like, you know, you'll pull these just random facts out, which very clearly shows your research. And I always enjoy those moments. Well, thank you. I just, I have heard enough interviews where it's been like, how long have you been playing the drums? When did you start? Like, there's got to be other ways to get at that, you know? So instead of me saying, um, how long have you been playing the drums? I can ask, like, what's your first memory of music? You know, mm. um, you know, I, I definitely like to hear like I'm a big fan just personally of meeting my friends' parents because I want to see how they were created and who created them. Um, so I usually ask, like, you know, what influence the parents have had? You know, were there other jobs? Because I know I had other jobs as I was getting better at music. You know, was there other things that you could have gone into? And you'll get all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's just other weird questions that you can like throw in there just to kind of take them uh, at a left field. I know. Um, you know, if you could go back to school right now, what's a class that you might take that you missed out on? That's a good one. Um, we had a fun one for a while. It was like, uh, what's in your stick bag aside from sticks? You know, you got people <laughs> saying all kinds of candy wrappers, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, it is, you know, how long have you, especially if you get to uh, somebody who's toured with like more famous people, you can be like, how long have you had your same phone number, you know? Uh, what's the wor weirdest encounter encounter you've had with a fan, you know, because um, mm. there are some uh, pretty innovative fans on <laughs> trying to uh, find their fame, their famous, their favorite famous percussionist. Yeah. He guys describe like, I mean, without, you know, giving away who they are, obviously, like, I don't know, what is a, what is a difficult guest like? There's, I'll say there's two different versions of this, okay. at least that I've come across. One is the, the guest who you could, who is going to answer, and there, it, it's going to go, go, opposite ends of the spectrum. There's the guest who will answer your question. Done, and you're like, and you got to be like, oh my gosh, I have to <laughs> right. like jump in so fast to to just keep this conversation going, yep. and then you have the guests who have started answering questions I didn't ask. And then we'll just go for like 25 minutes and you're just like, I can't even, and of course we're not in the same room. So I can't even, I can't stop them. I, I, you know? <laughs> yeah. So those are, I think, I don't know that they're difficult, but the, you have to make an adjustment on the fly of how, what kind of yeah. interview you're going to be. I, I've, I've had that feeling before, like, like the person who doesn't have much to say, like I, I've definitely had that, like, man, why'd you agree to do this? You, know, like it sounds, yeah. you like yeah. clearly don't want to be here. Like then that's cool. That's fine. I've got plenty of, plenty of people who just, they, they're just not interested. You know, like I've, uh, I've asked Bob Becker to be on the show before and he's just like, Oh no, I'm really more of like a, uh, a written response kind of person. I'll answer anything you want on paper, uh, you know, like, and it's cool. Like he's totally cool about it. It's, it's no hard feelings or anything, but yeah, then you get, get people who sometimes they they do it because they think they should do it and it's like whatever it's for their resume or whatever like my show for your resume you're confused about what a resume is but anyway like you just kind of wonder like oh man like like i guess wow. you'll only say yes to a show if you're you're sure you want to be there i guess you know i well, think good 
Well, I was just uh, another a sports reference to me. I wish there was a scouting report on some of these guests where I'm like, <laughs> this could be this person would be way better in person because that that chemistry that you have in person, whether you know the person or not, um, is sometimes the only way that you'll get what you want out of that guest because I've had several where they're brilliant, brilliant people, brilliant musicians, brilliant percussionists that I'm like, this is a snooze fest because I, I can't, you, they don't, I, I guess they didn't know how the zoom thing would, would happen or work. So I, it makes me wonder if it would have been better in person. Now we lived in a time where you, you couldn't do in person and it w- wasn't safe to do so. But now that we're kind of, you know, getting past that, it's like, I, I, I wish, you know, in a world, we lived in a world where there was like a, a scouting report. Like I was saying, I was like, ah, oh, this person would probably be better in person. But. Let's make one us right now. Yeah. Stop yeah. recording, go to spreadsheets, start, start <laughs> really talking about I, people. Universal. Yeah. <laughs> you could kind of also tell, like I've gotten good at reading the reaction of what gets people excited when they, when you start talking. I mean, my first clue is like, go to their Instagram page and it's like, what are they posting about? And it's like, okay, they post a little bit about drums, but they're also post about food. So it's like, okay, well, I know to direct them, direct some of these questions towards food or whatever. And then you can see like when they light up, like if you ask something that they personally have like a big affinity for, they're like, oh man. And you can say, okay, I know that this is the direction to go in. Um, And I'm not a fan of his at all, but, um, uh, Trump is great at reading his audience. And it took me a while because like, you know, they post this stuff and I'm like, this guy is so incoherent where he was giving his speeches. And then I realized he he doesn't really care about what he's saying. He's looking for the reaction for the audience. So when he says something and he doesn't get a reaction, he will immediately pivot to something that gets a reaction. And Mm -hmm. then he he rides that. And I was like, oh, so that kind of like, clued me in as far as like interviewing it's like okay i need to stay on top of like i have my notes here these are things i like to hit but i need to pay attention to the guest and how they're reacting to what i'm saying like how can i keep them engaged are they lighting up the same way um well kind of kind of guess heading towards the close um it's not like any strict timeline here for me but um i mean i know my show I think like the great value it's done for me is um, it's maybe a lot better teacher. I mean, I know like just because I've learned so much stuff. I've been doing this for, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years now or so. Like, it's just like, I've just picked up on so much. And I think a lot of that is, well, you're recording the show. So it's just as good as listening to a show, but maybe even more so like digging out through the guests, like, like researching them and, and, um, and just picking up, picking up things in research, but then also, of course, in the actual interview. And I just, I say it all the time in my, in my lessons, I say like, well, what so-and-so said about that, about what you're asking about is this. Cause I mean, I think my students, uh, you know, I think they trust me, they respect me in my own right, but it's so damn handy to be able to just say like, well, when we had freaking Evelyn Glennie on, she always taught, she liked to talk about this or whatever. I mean, it just adds so much weight to, um, you know, the, the task at hand. So I guess the question is, um, what have kind of big, been your big takeaways from the show? And, and are those big takeaways the thing that kind of keeps you, keeps you going? By the way, it's, it's freaking Dame. Evelyn. You're right. It's uh, yeah. Dame right. Evelyn Oh my goodness. It's not just free. You're right. Salting. 
It's How even better. You? I mean, it's even better than I said. I'm not sending anyone to James Madison. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I guess, is there a big takeaway you, you've gotten from it? Like, is has there been something that's really, really set in and, and that you've kept, you know, beyond all the tidbits and fun facts? Maybe start with Pete. I similarly, I definitely noticed that it's made me a better teacher um, and it's and it's sometimes it's about information but it's also about just talking to people um you know we do so much in all of our lives we are in front of audiences we have and so there's a lot of practice you get from just asking questions or interacting with people that's very similar to when you're doing a lecture and the ways that you interact with a student or even when you I think about when you have student meetings and you just have to let the student get out what the problem is. A lot of that I feel like is from podcasting where I'm just so used to letting people talk. And sometimes it takes a little bit for me to figure out what is exactly going on. And I'm a little bit better at, at kind of sensing that. So I, I know that among other things, those are items that have definitely been of, of value to me as a, as in my work from mm -hmm. the podcast. I've noticed I'm way more comfortable chairing a committee. It's like, oh, it's like, just feels like I'm running a show. <laughs> it's actually pretty mm -hmm. easy compared to running a, a podcast. Damon, any big uh, takeaways? Um, personally, it's helped me um, expand my network of percussionists. Um, because there's people that like, I've always wanted to meet that I, use the podcast to, to meet, you know, because what better way to be like, hey, do you want to talk about yourself for an hour or more? They're like, of course, cool. <laughs> Come on my <laughs> podcast. Um, but like, my thing is, I, I what I was hoping to give is like, I just wanted to help other people so that they wouldn't make the same mistakes I would. And to hear that, like, people are, are getting a benefit from the podcast. I know a couple of people have been using episodes as curriculum in their classroom like oh we're going to research this today and here's an expert on it and he was on this podcast you know or she was on this podcast or you know uh i didn't know that there were female percussionists but now there's a whole percussion round table that i did with like five leading percussionists that people were like oh my god i didn't even know this was possible or you know i it, it kind of opened more doors so my thing was i wanted to help people and I know Marcos did too. And like we said, we wanted it to be something that would have helped us navigate some mistakes. But personally, it's also helped me um, make my career a little bit better. Um, when I, from when I start, I can honestly say from where I started with the podcast episode one to where I'm at now, there has been certain opportunities that I have been afforded because I've been hosting this podcast. Um, whether it's been subbing for somebody else or getting a gig because uh, I made a connection with somebody or whatever. So um, ground level, hoping to help more people. And uh, I would, a side product would buy a uh, side uh, benefit would be also more gigs. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 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 Josh, anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, partly, or should I say that, I think that a lot of what they both said, um, especially along the lines of helping people, I started a 
uh, about a year or so ago, I started a mental health and musicians uh, series that if people are comfortable enough, um, they can come on and share their struggles while they're a musician and uh, dealing with those those internal battles. I, I, for one, am very open about all of that um, that I've dealt with in, in the past. And uh, so those are on those episodes and it, it helps people. I've gotten I've gotten great private messages about the responses to those episodes. Um, and, and so that is a, a great baseline to have. I think if you're going to have a voice or you want to create an opportunity for you to have a voice, I think there's no better way to do it than to make your baseline to help people. Um, and uh, the reason we play drums or, and percussion in general is so we can make people feel a certain way. We do it for ourselves. It's our own personal therapy. It's an escape. Um, and you want to, you want to kind of find a, uh, maybe create that escape for somebody else and, or let them know that it's not just, you're, they're not alone. And so, especially when it comes to, uh, this little niche community we have and, uh, you know, we go to PASIC each year, we do these conventions, we meet up at, um, summer workshops or whatever. And, and, you know, we're all dealing with this and we all play percussion and we, so we can relate and, uh, in those kind of struggles, but, you know, it's helped expand my network as well. Um, and also helped me discover that I love creating content. I love getting better at audio editing, getting better at video editing. It's allowed me to pursue other content creation side, side gigs. You know, uh, I do a lot of work with Sabian. Uh, I am an, I am on their artist roster, but I also, you know, get to help them make some video content. Uh, Mark Reynolds has been great in allowing me to do that. So uh, Mark is fantastic. I can't even, he's become sort of a mentor of mine. So uh, I feel like my career is, you know, finally getting started. You know, it, it was supposed to start in 2020 and it just kind of has been a slow grind from there. But, uh, you know, I just feel like this has provided me with a great start to whatever, wherever it's going to take me. And, uh, I just, I probably will never, I'll one day I'll probably get tired of doing it, but right now I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying it. So. Cool. Well, geez, that's a, that's a great way to close out on. And, um, yeah, congratulations everybody. I mean, all your shows are just awesome and it's just cool to see like, I don't know, like camaraderie, you know, with, with all the shows and like sharing guests and sharing each other as guests and all that. It's like, it's been really, really, really fun and really cool to watch. And, um, yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed. And gosh, uh, Damon Grant, Discussions in Percussion, Josh Hartwell, the Rudimental Podcast, and Pete Sambito, Pete's Percussion Podcast. So please, uh, all those links are in the description. Patreon link is in the description. Um, all that good stuff. So uh, gosh, guys, be well. I'll, uh, I'll be listening. And listeners, please, please find them. If you haven't seen these other podcasts, uh, definitely take a listen. Sweet. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, hey, you bet. Yeah, you're very welcome. Later. Yeah.